Hello, welcome to Myelopathy Matters, the official podcast for the charity myelopathy.org. Where we talk all things degenerative cervical myelopathy from the perspective of the researchers, the professionals and the people living with myelopathy. I'm Michelle Starkey. I'm a scientist, a mum of two and the director of myelopathy.org. And I'm Ben Davies, neurosurgeon, researcher and co-founder of myelopathy.org. Welcome to anyone listening. I guess that isn't a question of anyone. We hope someone is listening. But um, this is the first ever myelopathy.org. We're calling Myelopathy Matters podcast. Yay! <laughs> so I'm Ben, uh, one of the founders of the charity, um, part-time neurosurgeon, part-time uh, researcher in DCM, and I'm joined by our, uh, my colleague from myelopathy.org and the research side in Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle Starkey. I'm doing various things for myelopathy.org, but uh, supposedly running it at the moment. Um, it's nice to say hello to all of you. Yeah, hello. And I have, I have just been having some off-microphone conversations with Michelle, who's extremely nervous about this. And the fact that her family pedigree is at stake here, because I hear your sister is an expert in podcasts. Yes, yeah, she is. And also TV. So actually, you should have switched her in. I think we sound quite similar. <laughs> She's also a doctor, but not of... Um, neuroscience or anything okay. that we would be interested in. Did she offer in. you any top tips on, on what you should be doing? Uh, that she should do it instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> How rude. How rude. But I did say that I thought you'd be very natural because you have a talent for talking. And, I do talk and this a is lot. A, it's a conversational yeah. podcast. Brilliant. Okay. But you're keeping me away from my Christmas shopping, so. Not completed? No, not yet. So about five days to go. Who's I know, missing? I know. Well, the important ones. Mark Cotter? <laughs> Yes, of course. Everyone at am I, the am I covered? No. Oh, God. We should have done a secret Santa, actually. <laughs> you could have one of these lovely mugs, our new mugs that we're or selling. Or t-shirt. I've actually bought you a present. It hasn't arrived yet. Oh, that's so Just exciting. to make you feel better. My favourite colour is purple. So. Mm, uh, yeah. That's not far <laughs> off, actually. Not far off. But we are looking and drinking out of some fetching mugs designed by Ewan. Uh, I've got the Bionic Spine by myloft.org in black. I've, I've got Spine Wars Strikes Back. It's mm. great. They're all in black. All in black. Very Christmassy. Dark, dark <laughs> anyway, I mean, I guess we should talk a little bit about what, what we're, why we're doing this. And, and, and hopefully um, it is a work in progress and we really welcome any kind of feedback and what we should be doing with this podcast. But the ambition really is to, to make sure the community is being heard, that people are being recognised and everyone's being kept up to date with how the charity is progressing and, and where it's going. Because we're very much of the opinion that this is a community project, this is a community challenge in, in myelopathy, and it's, it's coming together as one voice that makes us, makes us stronger. And we also want to hear from you, because we sort of go out and do the things that we think are important. Um, but it's also nice to hear from all of you whether you think we're focusing on the, the correct things and if there's something else we should be doing. So for me, it would be really nice if this was a sort of two-way thing, that we, we sort of tell you what we're up to and, and then you let us know what you think and, and what we should be doing. Great. And I guess we should get, get into it then. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been up to and trying to progress in the last few months with the charity and, and touch on... A little bit of um, the RICO project, which uh, had a momentous moment in New York uh, a month ago. And we'll, we'll hear from Ewan, who, sadly based in Wales, can't frequently be involved in this podcast, but we'll, we'll get him on remote interviews. But I guess just in terms of discussing some of the feedback that, that Michelle was talking about, one of the things that we've become very aware of is that um, the support group isn't working for absolutely everybody, that you know people are coming in at different parts of their journey, getting different types of information, having to relive the same experiences over and over again, which can be 
can be difficult. Uh, and that is something that we're trying to look at new solutions for. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we often get feedback that people come in and obviously initially join our group when they're about to have surgery. So at a point when they're quite scared and need lots of feedback and the support group's fantastic for that. But of course, if you're someone that's had your surgery and been in the group for a while, what ends up happening is that you often hear the same story over and over again. So we've been thinking about ways of sort of making the group a bit more uplifting or thinking about having a, a place where the people who have sort of gone through their surgery and a living life now with myelopathy can go to that's a bit more uplifting and, mm -hmm. and more upbeat. Um, but also keeping that initial part of the group because that's what's made it so strong, you know, that people can come in when they need some support and help and there's people there to talk to them that have been through it. Yeah, and I think we, we really look for any kind of ideas or, or, or wisdom and, of course, info at myelopathy.org is the way to get in touch with, with us or, or through you in, or any of the... Um, admin volunteers on, on any of those groups um but we are looking at different ways and, and and one of the the ideas is to to move off facebook to different platforms that offer these sort of community groups perhaps slightly plenty of subgroups or additional um aspects of support and um one of the uh companies that we've had some conversations with is called unmind um, which are really at the moment based in sort of big corporate companies and they're there to provide mindfulness and support to their to their personnel who perhaps are going through difficult times or, or whatever and be able to direct people to the right content so it's a real personalized package it's a very early conversation but i was quite impressed with what they what they were offering i was really impressed too because i thought it would be a sort of generic package you know here's a whole bunch of things that you can listen to when you're feeling a bit down but what i quite liked about it was that they were sort of looking at information that was coming back from the company and you know various things that happened in the company that had led people to feeling a little bit unsure or anxious and then feeding in information based on that like you say very personalized mm. i was really impressed with that and i think that's the, the the way to offer people information that they want to see it's a little bit of I mean, making sure that the information is personalised, not so so generic. I, I was really impressed, and you know, I'm sort of aware of the idea of things like mindfulness or or healthy minds. And I know, having lived with Ewan for a few days in New York, that he has a, he has his moments for an hour in the morning where he must not be disturbed. It's also an hour he has making himself look beautiful in the mirror as well. But that's a it's a long morning with Ewan. But <laughs> he 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 really um he really you know speaks of the benefits that he's had from that kind of kind of service and he uses various apps to support that and um I think that could be really, really powerful. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really good. Obviously, we've mentioned it before, but we're recording this just before Christmas, which is quite a stressful time. And I have another app on my watch, and I've noticed that whilst I've been running around the shops and going to various nativities and stuff, it's giving me little reminders. Do you want to take five minutes? Like, I don't have time to take five minutes. But, yeah, no, it's really good. And I think these this is going to become part of, you know, our part daily life, life, isn't it? You get time to, time to check out and have a time out. Yeah, and it feels yeah. very indulgent, but actually... You know, I think I've read Guin's blog, recent blog, and actually it's really important. And the benefits he's seen in terms of pain and yeah, less you know, medication, exactly, yeah. and just taking this time to sort of do something for yourself. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And I think you know, on a broader broader sense, we do recognise that you know things like the quality of life and the mental health perspective are massively poor in in myelopathy. With really at the moment, we haven't really been able to explain why or, or look at really addressing that. But I think that will be really important in a condition which unfortunately is is part of life until till the end isn't it really um 
But also, I mean, speaking to people from the support group, you, you know, obviously from our perspective, we think, okay, you've had this diagnosis, which is something to sort of get your head around. And then you have your surgery again, something else scary, and then you move on. But obviously when you speak to them, you realize that there are other factors. I mean, it's affecting your whole life. And, and obviously there will be times when it's more difficult than others. And, you know, especially if you're not able to work and you're relatively young, you know, these, um, mm. these things are, yeah. you know, you, you need help with. And I think that's another change. challenge for us, isn't it? Because the perspectives and where you're living is obviously very different. We've had some conversations with, um, uh, is it Mr. Murphy from, from the States? Yep. Uh, and I think his feedback was really that the, the information that needs to be provided for US residents, for example, is, is different. Yeah, so we've been looking a little bit at our website and how it's performing. And we, we now know that we're sort of half of the traffic is coming from the US, but a lot of our content is coming from the UK. So he independently of that contacted us and said, oh, you know, do you think you'd like any content, sort of US-based content? And I think it's really important because, of course, half of our our traffic is coming from the US. So it will be really nice to see. I think the benefit systems are different there. And he was saying the workup prior to surgery is different in the US. So um, in terms of getting information out and preparing people mm -hmm. correctly for mm -hmm. their surgery, it would be really important. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a nice um, collaboration. And he's got some nice images coming to us soon, hopefully, um, which will be nice on the website to show the condition better and, and what's happening. And Fantastic. Yeah, we're looking to produce a sort of proper download that someone could uh, read and really understand uh, the journey up to and through treatment, I think, which will be helpful. With that. It'd be really helpful because obviously when you're sat opposite the doctor and they're giving you all this information, often with technical terms, you don't take any of it in. So I think having well, that... You always say not listening to every word that I say. <laughs> yes, but you're not taking any of it in. <laughs> um, and it is, you know, you want to go away and you look on Google, which is the worst place to go because it just scares you. Dr. Google. Yeah. So I think having this this sheet and also you can hand it to family members and say, OK, this is what I have. And so you can better understand it. So I think that would be a really important one of our tasks, one of our many tasks. For the next list is year. pretty long, isn't it? Very long. Yeah. Yes. More volunteers, any volunteers are always, always welcome. Because um, one of the other conversations we had, we had a, um, following up from the launch event, um, the House of Lords in July was from the Institute of Osteopathy. I was glad you asked the question, what was the difference between osteopathy and chiropractic? Because I was sitting there going, is there a difference? I think you'd even invited me to a chat with the Chiropractic Institute. Oh, I was totally confused. This is, this is recorded, you know. <laughs> anyway, so there is a difference. There is a difference. And apparently it goes back to the fact that the one of the Americans who sat his osteopathic exams failed them. Yeah. And therefore, was so frustrated, set up the Institute of Chiropractors in yes. in, in America. That's that's coming from the, um, the 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 lead of the Institute of Osteopathy. That's not from any other reference that I know. <laughs> but I he he seemed um, that certainly was the story, wasn't it? But yeah. there is a distinction. But I think interestingly, um, the some of the information that I got from that conversation was that still both very well regulated. Um, both have sort of uh, four-year courses to pass uh, through through university accreditation, um, a legislative body, and, and separate institutes which sort of oversee them as a as a structure. So, so from a sort of professional side, I was quite surprised at how um, organised it was and how how professional it was, even though not, they're not necessarily part of our normal NHS service here in the UK. And obviously, from my side, I'm looking at it more from a patient perspective, and just interested to see how you get diverted down the pathway of mm. physio or chiropractic or osteopathy because it sort of tends to be that people prefer osteopathy and then they tell all their friends do that or so i, I just thought I chiropractor meant spine and osteopathy was was the rest of the body that yeah. was my 
layman's impression, but it's not at all. No. And I didn't realize that the osteopath, osteopaths don't necessarily just do joints. They also do what they call visceral. And, and you mentioned the, the craniofacial stuff, which I think is big now for children, isn't it? Yeah, Breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, because it's supposed to help with sleeping issues, especially if the child's been born via C-section, I think. Right. I've heard about it quite a lot. I didn't try it with my children. I just sat through nights and nights of no sleep. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At which point you, you, you try anything, and, and maybe that is part of the uh, part of the sales pitch. But I mean, I think what was interesting is that um, they do report about five thousand osteopaths are said in the UK, uh, and they do see a lot of, of people with with myelopathy. That's sort of mm. anecdotal, and I know from informal conversations with people in in the charity, including some of our trustees, that they found great benefit with 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 seeing osteopaths in in, in their treatment. So it was a good good chat, I thought. Mm. And also they they do this survey that they were saying it would be nice if we could get involved in. So yeah. we'll leave that up to you for the medical <laughs> side to come up with a good question. But I think, you know, getting us involved in that type of thing, even though, you know, it's not so many um osteopaths osteopaths sorry um it would be really good to sort of highlight it there and say you know this is a condition this is something you might see people might present to you with and 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 what to do with it and they've invited Mm. us to talk at um their annual conference uh, next october which i think would be a good opportunity to to highlight uh to highlight myelopathy because you know i think everyone can be quite dismissive of different types of approach and different types of ideas and different types of science but i think fundamentally as long as people are arriving at the correct diagnosis as soon as possible and dealing with it in the right way I'm, I'm welcome to any any kind of solutions and I think um and as a doctor do you ever get involved in any of that or do you do the surgery and then sort of just pass them off and expect they're going to be put down a certain <laughs> pathway I mean I've no idea do you do you it, ever get feedback from your patients about what they've done and and what works very informally very informally and I think you know because you know for so long it's been thought of about as a sort of allied professional very distant or alternative medicine and some people might even even call it that it i think naturally through medical school and training you become maybe you don't switch off to that kind of conversation a little bit but mm. um we don't really i mean we, I, I i we focus very much on our i think on our own individual job lot and i mean at the moment uh people with myelopathy get very limited additional care outside of really surgery some occasional physiotherapy the burden of medication that they they try for different types of symptoms such as pain, but there is no real structured rehabilitation routine they use. There's no access to all of these other types of therapies. I mean, there was that blog written by um, by Delphine about um, hydrotherapy, mm-hmm. which she had had to go out and find and get access to, and, and and found great great benefit to. Which I can understand. Warm water environment, low weight bearing, movement. Uh, she found great benefit from that, but that's not something that's routinely provided. You've got to really go out and search for this. So it seems that we don't really know what we're talking about and people should get in touch and tell us what, works what they've them. had, yeah. <laughs> what works, yeah. what they'd recommend. And how, um, and then we can start looking at whether or not some of these things work. Because one of the interesting angles from that conversation was how there is seems to be a growing drive to have more osteopathy on the NHS or involved. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that drive was the fact that there's, there's not enough physiotherapists in, in, in the service to meet demands and and there are examples now where osteopaths are sitting in in care pathways for other conditions, and I think there is there's an opportunity to to help that in maybe in myelopathy. Mm, anyway, work work in work in work in progress, I suppose. Um, but again, an interesting chat, and I look forward to seeing how that how that relationship uh, develops. 
Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, of course, was was Rico, which sadly so far Michelle's been so occupied running the the charity and in other and other veins has had less less input to. But uh, that's going to change next year. My credit card was happy I didn't go to New York. That's for sure. <laughs> my my <laughs> mind was. <wasn't. laughs> Yeah, I think the fact my wife wasn't invited led to a very expensive present. But um, anyway, hopefully she'll be happy on the 25th of December. <laughs> this is a long way to go to return it. <laughs> but, we'll, but we'll see. But um, we're going to hear a little bit. I had an opportunity to catch up with Ewan whilst we were there. Obviously, I um, was sharing a flat with Ewan in the French quarters, which turned out to be a little bit of a drinking point for for many of the attending uh, mileoffice.org members. As if it wasn't planned that way. <laughs> <laughs> And I can tell you that some of our counterparts in the States uh, certainly do know how to handle their alcohol much better than, much better than me. But um, I guess we should hear from you and then we can, we can catch up a little bit afterwards. Well, it's a warm welcome to New York. Yeah. I'm with you in. We're um, sitting in our breakfast area in our small hotel in the French quarters, which is very romantic. I arrived <laughs> late last night, you in yesterday afternoon. We're all pretty excited about forthcoming RICO DCM meeting. Yeah, I've uh, met a few members last night um, and I'm super excited to uh, meet with the rest of them today. So, you know, in person, I've probably, probably spoken to each other for the last five years. It must be interesting to meet, because presumably you've chatted them online but not necessarily heard their voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, everything's been, you know, done online and something. Yeah. I think five years um, back when, when the group was actually first started, you know, we sitting in New York, it's mad, isn't it? It's mad. It's mad. And is there anyone whose voice or in person seemed particularly different to their Facebook profile? Um, no, I think everybody, everybody speaks so nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, you know, great group of people that are actually from from all all of the world, really. Well, Ewan's a little bit nervous because he's giving a small presentation before this meeting this morning. He's already had three cups of coffee. He's been to the toilet twice. I'm preparing himself. Preparing himself. I haven't heard the Welsh vocal warm-up or anything in the shower yet, but um, I'm expecting that later on. Yeah, I'm, uh, if I could actually do it in the house, uh, house and horse, I think, yeah, I, I, I can actually put it yeah. off here as well. Amongst friends, probably a bit, bit, a bit easier. Yeah, yes, yeah. So, yeah, well, you, you think because we've spoken to everybody online, that you, you know one, the personality and everything that's come, come through on social media. Yeah, So, yeah. I beat it Tim last night, Tim was exactly... As he was online. As he, as he is online as well. So we had a good chat yesterday. It's really powerful, isn't it? Because I think I know one of Mark's visions is to try and have more offline meetups. They have a different connection, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think today is going to be an opportunity for people to speak to each other, speak about the problems in person and so on. Yeah. Um, and I think speaking to somebody face to face is much better than speaking with somebody you know, online or something. Yeah. I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. It's so many names, not, I don't know so many yeah, yeah. their faces. And I think um, also um, what was coming through last night is that there are health, there, today there are health professionals there who are interested in this condition. I mean that was always my dream I think. I mean you and me sitting here sharing yeah. a hotel room, we only met online. Yeah. But it's the idea that you, you know, mileofty.org is a sort of you plant a stake in the ground and it's a real community of everybody invested in, in my life from every perspective and I think that comes across in this project as well doesn't it? Yeah I remember I remember us talking when we first yeah, when we were locked into the .org was launched something as a charity that we were going to be known as a sort of a global um, 
organization rather than, you know, um, a group that's just from the UK? We are. I mean, I think people have come from the UK, Canada, yeah. all over the States. Um, I'm further afield, I think. So it is. It's really special, really special. I'm excited to be here. We've got a few days to try and get to know everybody. Yeah, yeah. Hope that everybody takes away from um, today um, the message that you know we, the research is emotion really for the you know the people who have happened a lot today. I think we made a lot of friends today as well. You know, long lasting friendships as well. Yeah. I, I, and that's so powerful. That research is emotion. I really. It's an amazing line. I mean, that, is, that is so true, isn't it? I mean, I can imagine that if, you know, if you're living with something day to day. We've got to get it up there so everybody's reading up the same page, you know, exactly what to do when it comes to symptoms and treatment. Because yeah. a lot of people have yeah. sort of had the symptoms for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have maybe problems treatment. I think, I mean, I, I, mean I, I have to say, having met and worked now with, with lots of people with, with myelopathy, you in particular, I think it's really opened my eyes up. I think. The problem is that everyone's perspective as a professional is quite niche. Mm -hmm. With a disease like this, you have so many people involved in the diagnosis and workup. Yeah. You have a different group of people involved in the treatment and a different group, again, involved in long-term care. So as a, do a doctor, my perspective is quite focused to a part of this story. Yeah. And the only person who's involved in the story from the start to the end is the person with myelopathy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that perspective is, has not been recognised enough. And it means that our, you know, when we describe the symptoms of myelopathy as a professional, I have a list which is... You know, very small. When I listen to you guys describe what, how it affects you, the list is enormous. And yeah, yeah. I think we need to reconcile that. Definitely. Yeah, we, we, we talk about just the travelling. You know, what you're going to do, got to plan everything, travelling wise and things like that. Um, yeah, it's it's a massive game changer. Really, it's preparation is key when you have property. We probably need to think about getting into a taxi now. Stone, yeah. go and register for this meeting and get this long day under underway. Final question, I guess. Is there a particular question at this stage that you really want to see in that top ten research priority list? Something that we've sort of discussed is is the mental health issues with myelopathy. But yeah, that will be my number one question. Okay. Well, let's see see what comes in. You're obviously in a position to influence today. Yeah. I'm simply spectating now, but we will look forward to what the outcome is. So that's breakfast with you and that's that's what we talk about that's that's what happens <laughs> yeah and you had some nice music playing as well we did i think we had some christmas playlists in oh, um nice. the french quarters with all the decorations good breakfast actually were you having pancakes i hope no we had well i had a bagel and cream cheese classic you and had tanks of coffee <laughs> um, <laughs> to prepare for his talk but to prepare for his talk <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did but it was it was a, it was a good conversation. I mean, you know, because we don't see each other that often. It's all you know. It's um, mostly online, and then you have these checkpoints where you feel like things have come forward, and that was certainly certainly one of them. To have what was so you know a, an, an informal conversation back in two thousand five fifteen on Facebook to a to a meeting in New York was um, it was it was good. It, it was must good. be especially nice for him because he's the one you know, on a day-to-day -day basis speaking to these people online mm, mm. to actually meet them as real people. Yeah. That must be really it nice. It did. And I, I was interested because he said that everyone was very much who they were online. There was no um, no red herrings. He said, he said what did he say? Tim, Tim was Tim. I'm not, I'm not sure what I mean, that means. But, <laughs> no. But, but the press Tim don't were. lead us to believe that, do they? We're all trolls right. and stuff. But it's nice to know that some people are being <laughs> real online. Uh, yeah, that's as they true. Are in that's real life. true. 
No, it was a good. It was a good meeting, and I mean, um, it was all about uh, the end of a, a process to set the top research priorities for for myelopathy because it's been shown elsewhere that if you bring people together, the people living and working on the front line with the disease, and ask them what should be researched, then if you answer those questions, you've got the best chance of changing care uh, in in a really short space of time. Um, and so that was really what the meeting was about. It was a culmination of a long process that started online um, and ended with a top 10 research priorities that we're going to launch hopefully in the middle of next year. So it's strictly secret at this stage, but I was really, um, really proud of what, what we managed to achieve. So you're not going to tell us anything? Well, a little, hints, little bit of hints. I mean, I think um, some really interesting things came up um, in terms of global terms. There was the issue around awareness, um, which you and, and others really championed. Um, the need to demonstrate what the, the cost impact to both individuals and society came up. Um, I think those are two really important questions. And I think it was interesting going through that um, if you ask the professionals, they didn't rank very highly. But if you ask the people with myelopathy, they were up there as some of the biggest and most important questions. And I think that just shows you why you have to have both of those people in that room to to make a list which is really representative. I don't know if you can answer this, but what was the spread of sort of respondents to the questionnaire? Was in, it quite heavily patients or? Um, <clears throat> we had, um, no, we didn't. I mean, we had a lot of surgeons actually. Uh, I was surprised, I mean, I wasn't unsurprised. I mean, the moment surgeons are 80% of the research field and they really, at the moment lead on treatment and they're really a focal point for, for the disease. So that didn't surprise me, but I think... I really wanted to get away from that because, um, you know, they've been um, actioning their research priorities for a long time now. And I think it's the other perspectives that we were lacking. So they were well represented, about half. And then about 25% people with myelopathy and, and 25% other healthcare professionals, which is a massive range. You know, in that room in New York, we had uh, had a GP, we had sort of pain medicine, anesthesia, uh, physiotherapy, uh, three physiotherapists. I mean, we had a really broad broad representation that's great it's really nice that they've all been able to give their input and you see it from all the different perspectives but i guess even nicer when you see that they sort of come together to similar yeah types of i know we had this fantastic i mean mark spoke a few words at the beginning and then um dr failings uh gave a very emotive speech it was very off the cuff but it was it was almost like a a crowd pleaser i think i talked to you about it in a second it felt like um i don't know if you've seen a film called any given Sunday, which is about American football, but I think it's Al Pacino at half time gives this very cla- very uh, very long but very sort of passionate uh, half time talk, which really turns the team around. But that at the beginning of the meeting, I thought set the day up very well, and and it really galvanised the um, the people there to sort of work together and, and set that top ten. Yeah, he has had lots of practice though. At speaking, Plains, yes, he's <laughs> been on a number. Of, I've seen him on a few TV programs talking about myelopathy and yeah, other things. He was interviewed in Russia recently, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know. Various different things. Various so. different things. Yeah. Well, I have um, in a future podcast. He's very kindly given us an interview, so um, we will have I think up to forty-five minutes with Dr. Failings. Well, I might uh, do two two podcasts uh, for that one. But he, I mean, he really has been a, a fantastic champion for for myelopathy, and, and he does speak from a great experience of it so he had a lot of good things to say um but perhaps i guess we could hear from from you and again and we we spoke a little bit about after um after the um the meeting and, and what's going to happen next i'm joined again with you and we're sitting in our uh, our apartment the french quarters in hell's kitchen in new york dust is settled now on what was really a fantastic 48 hours for for our community 
I thought we'd just get a few thoughts on, on how we think it went, where we're going to go next, really. I think I'm still digesting it. Yeah? Um, yeah. And I don't think everything's going to sort of sink in when I get home, because, yeah, I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be this good. Uh, all the participants were so friendly, um, and I feel like uh, we're moving on as a family, you know, not just an organisation, yeah. Um, I don't think we could have handpicked um, the members. Um, you know, every member that actually, you know, travelled that far to be here uh, for, for, for Rico yeah. DCM. Absolutely amazing. They, they were tremendous, weren't they? They had so much insight and perspectives. And I think what was interesting from everybody, I felt, was that they were really arguing the cause from not just on their own behalf, but on the behalf yeah, of, yeah. of, of who, who they represent. So Yeah, everybody else. Yeah, was, so, yeah and, the, and the health professionals as well. They were absolutely outstanding. Mm. Yeah. i just take you back to the beginning of the day when I, I think Mark got up and outlined some of the vision. And yeah. then Michael Fanius got up and gave what I think was some sort of like, it was like that sort of pre-match game talk, wasn't it? Yeah, inspirational, you know, um, changing room talk. Um, even even though I've been involved in the project um, from the beginning sort of thing, um, until I got into that room and everybody started speaking like, like a felons and everything, I think everything sort of hit me there and then. And I think, like you say, it just, it was an uplift, uplift in the room where people were there and they were going to make a, f- a difference to future research yeah, on malopathy. So. Yeah, so, and I also remember looking at the room in the beginning and obviously we had a sort of central aisle, didn't we, a sort of small yeah. forum and it was like the school disco. We had people with myelopathy on one yeah, side yeah, and, yeah. and the healthcare professionals on the other. But by the end of the day, it was... It was total mix. Total mix. I would say, you know, people were sitting in between health professionals, yeah. you know, discussing matters and all yeah. that. And I guess, like I said um, in the meeting as well, it's... It's great now that we, you know, we when we first started, we wanted to have a voice, but now we have people who are who are actually listening to our voice sort of thing. And I think that's sort of spread into uh, the malopathy community and for the people who were there as well, which made it. I'd, I'm I'm still a absolutely gobsmacked how well it actually went. Yeah, as am I, as am I. Yeah. Let's just go back to the beginning of the morning because obviously we had this uplifting speech from um, uh, Dr. Michael Failings and then, yeah. then we heard from somebody else, didn't we? Yeah. We heard, you came up with your pre-prepared... Yeah, that went out the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made a pre-prepared speech and um, I got that up there and that went out the window that did completely. I just... Uh, it, w- it was... Yeah, it was quite really, really emotional to stand up there and look at people that I've probably spoken to for the last five years and have them in the room, sort of thing. Mm. Um, you know, like we discussed years ago, I'm probably repeating it again, that, um, you know, we wanted to make it a global community, and, you know, it's happening, yeah, yeah to have yeah, people is. from all around the world, you know, in one room. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's surreal. Absolutely, we, we, we should add up the collective miles people have travelled. That should be interesting to um, yeah, because there's there's been some serious travelling. Yeah, yeah, and we've uh, we've had a WhatsApp group going, and that's been absolutely amazing to see the, to hear the feedback from everybody and everybody sharing the videos. Yeah, 
but no, it's, it's been absolutely brilliant, hasn't it? Um, when I was going through the day, actually, there was a, mm. there was a moment where I felt that um, you know uh, there was going to be a great challenge in bringing this sort of top ten together. There was some quite yeah yeah because I mean just to to reiterate to, to people who obviously weren't here today, this was a process that started months ago. We've been working online to produce a shortlist, and then the start of the day, or so two thirds of the day in the workshop, was about small workshop groups, wasn't it? So, yeah. you know, different groups, and they were producing their top tens, and then it sort of merged towards the end, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah, it did seem to come together actually. Yes, yeah, so it was surprising. Um, you know, right, number one for me was going to be sort of. Um, the social aspects of it, um, you know, the med- you know, we were looking at the mental health um, sort, of, sort of implications of malopathy as well. So I'm glad that that's in there, and of course the awareness yeah. uh, that yeah. I, you know. Well, I'm certainly with you. I mean, the, the socioeconomic question for me is a real issue when I try and talk and sell myopathy to, you know, the sort of policy funding type people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you can demonstrate real numbers and costs behind yeah. what you're trying to change. They just don't open the cash books, unfortunately. Yeah. And there was a point where that was sort of drifting towards the bottom, but it, it did come in, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did come back in. And um, I'm glad, in a way, because it's so hard for, and I, I, not just people from the UK, but we've heard stories from the US and so on about claiming disability, because yeah. a lot of people, you know, they're able-bodied and all of a sudden... They have malopathy, and because of the long diagnosis and the treatment, you know, you're left with disability. So, you know, that is costing the government mm. money mm. when a person actually yeah. becomes disabled. So if we can portray that we are, you know, this person doesn't need to be disabled. This person can carry on with his life, be active, have, you know, carry on with his job. You know, the figures there yeah. should, you know balance everything out but like you say and it's hard to actually get that message across it is I mean that num- those numbers must be there we just need to try and bring them together and I think that's why that question yeah, is finan- important yeah. but just touching on another point there because um, that idea that because I know we know I think from talking to you and others in the community there's great difficulty in accessing these sort of disability support yeah. I think one of the issues is there is an image issue it's a hidden disability isn't it yeah, you, know, yeah. you guys yeah. um, t- you know if someone passed you on the street would see you as functioning. Yeah, yeah. And it was that interesting, as an interesting anecdote from Shirley, I think, early on when she was, we were talking about some of the issues, issues of definition and, you know, spinal cord injury versus yeah. degenerative cervical myelopathy. And she'd been part of the Spinal Injuries Association. Yeah. Which obviously has people, uh, you know, who have had devastating injuries and totally paralysed. Yeah. And they called the DCM people walkers. Right. Because for them, they couldn't walk, and I guess DCM, a lot of people yeah, do yeah. walk. But for Shirley, that was a sort of real, like, sort of put down, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just because I can walk doesn't, doesn't you know, say I'm, you know, perfect. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. there is that identity crisis, I think. Yeah, and the thing is, with myopathy as well, even though we can walk, it's, it's a condition that sort of, um, if you sort of um, push yourself too far, yeah, you know, you knock yourself back for about two to four days. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, that was that was also that was actually interesting. That was a question. That was one of the seventy-four questions yeah. that could have been shortlisted. It didn't get that many votes. But I think that's a fascinating question because that is something that I, as a professional, yeah, never totally yeah. aware of. Yeah. But you know, I've heard that from yourself and many, many other people. Yeah. And what is that? You know, why is that you you know have an exertional day, 
Yeah. And pay for it for... Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's everything's... Everything we do is... We've got a really forward plan for everything as well. Um, we can't stand... We can't really book things into the future because you don't know how you can feel in that day. So, um, activities, uh, social events... Um, you know, it's planning. Yeah, yeah forward yeah. planning. It's really, really I, I, difficult. I'm useless. I can barely plan. Yeah. The next day, as my wife will tell you, <laughs> it tremendously. I'd, I'd be, I'd be terrible. Yeah. Don't every aspect of the event has been absolutely brilliant. Even when we met up in the bar um, the night before, met some of the members and everything, and everybody's just gelled together. As you know, um, there hasn't been any awkward moments. No. Whatever. No. Sort of. So from the pre, pre-drinks the night before through to everything, uh, and then all meeting up at the end, it's yeah. been absolutely mind-blowing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think there is something magical about New York, isn't it? Magic things do happen. Probably yeah. one of their taglines, and um, hopefully this is another another one of those magical things. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, yeah, we can do some more in the future, and you know, it'd be great to meet more people of our community mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think it gives the people who have actually uh, participated in Regal DCM um, a better understanding of what we want to do, what is our vision and so on. Um, and I think for them to be there and be part of it, yeah. you know, it really shows something us... Something tangible. Yeah, something yeah. tangible. What is, yeah. what is planned for the future? Yeah. I think we need to work hard on that. I think that's a good good point, that connection between the community yeah. online and, and what the vision and what we're trying to do. Because um, I guess it can feel a little bit distant, perhaps small steps. Yeah, yeah. It's, what would they say, atomic steps. Small steps, <clears throat> but, you know... Big impact. Big impact. I think that's right. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah. So, um, 24 hours left or so, I hear that your kids are demanding... Yeah, I've got to go and get some toys for them now. <laughs> <laughs> Any idea? I've been told, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to buy. I've had a quick look at uh, Times Square yesterday, Central Park, absolutely amazing. It yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, really nice. Central Park is enormous. Yeah, yeah. My my, my calves are killing me today, so <laughs> I'm probably going to suffer for the next two days. Well, you were chasing birds, weren't you? Yeah, yesterday? I was chasing birds, and we were feeding some some friendly squirrels. And just for clarity, that was uh, yeah, animal birds. Yeah, was the, the, the feathered the feather, the feather, the feather, yeah. The feather yeah. yeah. But, Although um, this morning we have had some tantrums from uh, Ewan because he's been traipsing around the apartment trying to find his hairbrush. <laughs> Skip. It's got a new one, so I have to get a new one on my shopping list. On the shopping list. Yeah. Okay, great. Great. Well, um, hopefully we look forward to catching up back over the other side of the Atlantic. And yeah, and I think um, it's all going to sink in quite soon. Yeah. yeah. It's still a bit surreal at the moment. Uh, yeah, I've got to build on this momentum, I think. Look where we are now in New York. I know. We never thought of that five, five years ago. I never. Just by connecting on Facebook. Yeah, uh, it's it's a powerful thing, isn't it? I thought that when I was looking around the room. You know what what the internet can do. Yeah. I mean, there are obviously problems with the internet. Yes, I mean, we know that. Yeah, we yeah. know that. But yeah. one of the things that I I try and I try and um, explain to people for something that has got absolutely so much lack of awareness is that we are starting to build that critical mass that we need to really shout louder enough to be heard yeah, yeah. and I think that comes from the fact that everyone is working together you know whether you're you're a professional you're someone who lives with myelopathy you know someone with myelopathy 
um, it's about coming together as one voice, I think. And yeah. um, the internet has enabled that, and things like this can crystallise from it. But um, I hope it's the start of something, something pretty special. Yes, but definitely. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're right there with the network and everything. We've had the opportunity to network with probably the top uh, health professionals in the world, really, in yeah. their field. Yeah. Um, and I think in that light, we should uh, pay a special thanks to yeah, AS Fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because really, they are the framework through which this has been possible. Yeah, they big thanks to Alessia. Alessia, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many thank yous to go out. We won't, we won't list that. We'll put it in the credits. Yeah, yeah. Um, Talk to you again. <coughs> you know, Toto. brilliant. Absolutely great. And we've, I think we've won her over. I mean, that's an example yeah. of what you can do when you bring somebody in who doesn't know about myelopathy and she's just identified with the problem and just the community. And, um, you know, she was saying to me, I think one of the unique things about the, the, the participants in the workshop, the people with myelopathy, is that we're already sort of a community. It wasn't like we were just random individuals thrown yeah. together to give their perspective. There was a, there's a community there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, okay, it's a special atmosphere. Yeah, it's probably, quite, probably harder to get sort of individuals in a room who, who haven't actually sort of um, spoken to each other before. Yeah. Uh, like you're saying, because it's, I, I always call it the myelopathy community. Yeah, and after today's probably the myelopathy family. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a well we've actually connected. I think. Yeah, you know, I, I really think so. I think we've made some lifelong friends as well along the way. You know, on this yeah. trip. So yeah, I saw I saw Rosie was inviting everyone to uh, yeah, yeah. To Palm Springs. Yes. And we were putting satellites around <laughs> around yeah. the globe. Anyway, um, well, great to catch up in person again. You, and I'm sure we'll do so again in the UK, and yep. look forward to the next. Uh, Next chapters. Yeah, bigger and better things. And um, watch this space, I think. Can you just say that again on, on, on recording now? What did you just say? <clears throat> I just said, honestly, the things you get me to do for this charity. All about pushing you out of the comfort zone. <laughs> I'm permanently out of my comfort zone. <laughs> that's where, but I'm enjoying it. That's where the most important <laughs> and creative things happen. So that was a really nice recording. I think you sounded really sort of emotional at he the did beginning. didn't he i mean sweet. my dad's a passionate welshman as well and i think there's a strong character in in a welsh man of emotion <laughs> and and he was emotional yeah but it's a big thing for him like we were saying before you know he's the person that sort of brought this together so to actually meet these people and i thought it was really nice the bit you described when you said that initially, you know, the people with myelopathy were sat on one side and the healthcare professionals on the other, and by the end they were mixing, because that type of thing is just very difficult to do unless you're yeah. sat with each other. Yeah, That's yeah. really nice. And I don't think, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it was so, everyone as a team. It was coming together of a team. It really was. And um, I think it's uh, so powerful. I mean, we just need to get more and more people in the team. And I think it's a critical mass thing. Once we get a... A bigger team will start to, you know, people, more people hear us and the team can continue to grow. I think it really, really is that. And I think this, the story and the passion and the power is all there. All the ingredients are there. We just need to um, watch this story grow. Yeah. And I'd like to know the yeah. amount of miles you actually travel because <laughs> you're going to have to justify that to Greta. <laughs> <laughs> That's our, our university costing. Uh, <laughs> nothing much gets past that account. <laughs> no, no, that is true. That is true. And I'm, but there are, of course, many more miles, many more miles to go. And um, the sort of long-term plan uh, with Recode, obviously, there are other objectives that we've set ourselves to work on. But in terms of the top ten research priorities, um, the ambition is to release those in about May of next year. And the reason to have a slight pause is that we need to build 
a framework around the priorities to really promote them. Because fundamentally, if you know, we can set these challenges, these questions, but if no one listens to them or responds to them, then it's absolutely meaningless. So there's a lot of hard work being done now, but there's a lot more hard work to be done, and that's what's happening in the background, and hopefully we'll be ready to launch everything in its glory and, and follow up on that in the middle of next year. How does that happen? Is that through a publication? Or <clears throat> it's a good question, isn't it? I mean, I think um, it's been a real lesson to me, actually. I, I We were coming up to the New York meeting, and I it suddenly dawned on me that... Um, We've got to get people to look and read this. Mm -hmm. And I was actually reading at the time the guidelines for treatment of myelopathy, which was a fantastic and enormous project again done by AO Spine, which, to be honest, has had a limited response so far. And all they did really was publish it and present it at a spinal conference. And it, it, I realized that actually that's just not enough now. You've got to somehow cut through the noise and really get this to the people. And, you know, we're trying to reach a community that are not currently listening to myelopathy, which is even more difficult. Um, so it's why we're trying out lots of different things. So we are planning to have the publication, but alongside that want to have a, uh, a, a special edition of the Global Spine Journal, which will really cover in detail each question, summarizing where the evidence is at now and what sort of directions could be gone on. We're looking to appoint ambassadors for each question that can really champion those questions. Uh, we need to reach out to the international funding bodies and explain to them why they need to back these questions. So there's lots of different things going on um, to really try and make as much noise as possible and um, being led by both professionals and, and people with myelopathy. So it's um, it's a lesson in knowledge translation, which I'm only starting now to realise how important it is. So I know I have a little <clears throat> bit of experience from the spinal injury side, different type of project, but, you know, they went through this process of finding out what were the research priorities. And I think in my case, um, it was the results that actually led it because they came out that actually people in wheelchairs are not so bothered about walking again because the wheelchair is quite a good solution. Whereas all the researchers were thinking, well, that's what we need to solve. And what came out was actually that, you know, hand function is really important. And that was the area that I was interested yeah, in. So yeah. that was then picked up by everyone in, in our field, sort of working on that. And then, you know, these papers were then published over and over again. You know, oh, look, yeah, they, yeah, want, yeah. they want hand function. And <coughs> so I think maybe there's something like that, that it depends what the results are and, and you know, what research is going on and people will pick up on it. And You're absolutely spot on. We, ha we had to we had to wait for the results to really be able to inform that strategy and that's again a reason we couldn't just launch straight away we had to have a pause because part of it is matching the kind of fields to the question you know certain questions require a different type of research that perhaps isn't currently involved i mean going back to the spinal injuries thing what was interesting from that field there was a survey done really i think in the early 2000s from kim anderson which really surveyed the i mean you're nodding your head you obviously know what it was but it surveyed the population of people with spinal cord injury about what their what their priorities were. And I think that was one of the landmark moments when they realized that actually, um, you know, young men, for example, who were heavily affected by spinal injury weren't so bothered by the fact that they were in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. but they wanted to have some form of sexual function. Yeah. And that championed a whole new dynasty of research. And um, I highlight it really because we modeled a similar survey on that, um, which has only just been published in the BMJ Open, um, well, not quite yet, imminently, it's been accepted. Um, which will share the results with you in the future. But it's, again, done through the, the myelopathy.org community and identified that pain was the number one research prior, uh, recovery priority for, for people with myelopathy. And um, 
that has never really been measured before in, in myelopathy. So I think it's um, it's a lesson that you've got to ask these sort of questions and, and uh, otherwise the research ends up being misdirected. Absolutely. And in Kim Anderson's case, not only is she a brilliant researcher, but she's also in a wheelchair herself. Yes. So when she sits there and tells you, you, know, you, these are the important things that people in wheelchairs want, you know, it hits harder, doesn't it? I think so, yeah, it does. Very powerful speaker. Yeah. But I, I mean, we've got challenges because I think the, the spinal cord injury research field is, is, is enormous. It's well joined up in many ways and there's a, there's a ready number of mouthpieces to serve them. Whereas in our field, we've got to make the mouthpieces before yeah. we can even get the message exactly. out there. So lots of work to do, lots of work for myeloff.org and uh, anyone else who's interested in, in promoting that message. And people, there's a website, right? So if people want to have a little bit more of Info, a look about yeah. the project. We'll cover it here. We'll cover it at myeloff.org, but there is the recode-dcm.com where people can um, turn their attention to and... Uh, more media outlets in the future, hopefully. And there's a nice cartoon on there, I think. There I is, enjoyed yeah. explaining what you did. And, <laughs> and hopefully there's another one in the offing. Um, so, so plenty more plenty more material, plenty more interviews with you in to come and others, um, nice. hopefully to convey, convey the story. Very nice. It's great. Looking forward to hearing those results in May. Yeah. We'll set our timers. We'll, we'll let you into a sneak, sneak peek, I think, before that, Michelle. <laughs> but maybe, maybe on, not off the recording device. <laughs> Anyway, that was the first take. We survived. We survived. We don't know if anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we can look back on this and just watch the journey and development. And in the future, you know, um, Michelle Starkey will be the number one podcaster in the, in the family, <laughs> not, the, uh, not the number two. But seriously, um, any thoughts, feedback, any ideas, if you, there's stories that you want to, to tell us about or, or be interviewed about, um, then all you need to do is let us know at info at myloppy.org. We'll reach out to you or any of the other, other um, myloppy.org uh, administrators and volunteers because this is really um, hopefully a portal to, to get all the different stories heard, the community understanding what's going on and helping to, to make sure that we as one community are working in the same direction. Mm -hmm. It'd be lovely to hear from you.